Welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron. And as always, we're bringing the latest and greatest in political news and updates. And Byron, we're heading into, I guess, what is the fourth or fifth week of the new Trump administration. Of course, it's been a lot of ups and downs, so to speak, a lot of news. But before we get to all that craziness and address everything for what's real and what's not, uh, just let the listeners know what we do here on Politically Entertaining. As Frank said, we're in our second season and we just pretty much try to bring you a condensed version of uh, important topics, news and politics that have happened during the week, uh, mainly for those of you who don't follow the news every day. But also, if you do, we try to bring it to you in a more entertaining way than your typical networks. Before we get into news and politics, Frank, have you and your wife, do you guys ever talk about what you'd like to do when you retire? Definitely. Um, my wife and I, we've actually done a fair amount of traveling you know, already, and that's something that certainly we'd like to probably do a little bit more. And obviously, uh, retiring, um, you know, trying maybe trying new restaurants, trying just new things, uh, you know, that that necessarily aren't indigenous to American culture, just experience different parts of the world. That that sounds great. Um, me and my wife have done the same. The Obamas, former President Obama and former First Lady Michelle Obama, whether you are liberal, conservative, Democrat or Republican, you have to appreciate and respect how they have embraced retirement like uh, head on, man. Like they're out in Hawaii. I think uh, a few weeks ago we saw the, the former president with uh, what's the guy from Virgin? I think from Virgin Records, they were like out uh parasailing or whatever you call it Richard uh, Branson Richard Branson yes Richard Branson they were out there they sent a valentine pics from from the beach of their feet man they they are chilling and it's such a stark contrast from what we're seeing going on in the current administration with all the chaos uh it kind of reminds me of what Bernie Mac said a long time ago when he said you know black people when we break we break and the obamas they they have really chosen to enjoy themselves and it's almost like they're not even paying attention to what's going on in in politics right now so it's kind of great to see and like i said it doesn't matter what political spectrum you you come from and it it is it's good to see have you been paying attention to them at all in their new retirement role yeah i've definitely seen the photos flash across you know either my timeline or you know instagram that kind of thing so you know, obviously, you know, I'm happy for them. It was, you know, we, we obviously had, you know, talk about the first episode with Tim Wise. And again, listeners, you can listen to this episode or an episode on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play or Podbean. And we talked with Tim Wise in the first episode and we talked about the leg, his legacy and different things like that. Do you do enough? But at this point, it doesn't matter. It's over. And he's enjoying, you know, a well, a well-deserved rest because, you know, and I think in some ways he's kind of smirking at the current chaos and at the current administration, especially with the way they disparaged him over the those eight years. And they often say what the best uh, revenge is living well. And right now, I don't think anybody's living better than the Obamas. Agreed. Uh, with that, let's get into some politics.
are listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now your host, Welcome you back Frank to another episode of Politically Entertaining. Uh, the news is fake. The leaks are real. That's uh, That was a popular chant coming from the latest uh, Trump press conference last week. Uh, we want to remind you guys that we're on Instagram, Facebook, under Politically Entertaining. Also, subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio. Just uh, type in Politically Entertaining. We ask that you subscribe and tell a few friends to subscribe as well. Uh, one of the top stories last week, Frank, Mike Flynn, uh, National Security Advisor, he was forced to resign. The same guy that was at the Republican convention last summer saying lock her up. Well, he had a little stuff going on with him. He had to resign or depending on who you ask, he was fired for his Russian contact. He uh lied to the vice president about uh, what he spoke to Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin about uh, back in December. Uh, so he wound up having to resign. And the acting attorney general at the time, Sally Yates, she warned the White House that, hey, this guy could possibly be blackmailed. He had some inappropriate contact with uh, Russia. Uh, the current administration ignored her. And so now they are stuck looking to find another national security advisor. Wanted to get your thoughts on Mr. Flynn and his resignation and or firing, depending on how you want to put it. Well, obviously, once the news got out that he had had inappropriate contact with Russia, he, you know, he was going to be the fall guy. Now, whether or not that contact was, you know, say, um, initiated by him directly or whether or not he was prompted to do such thing, he was going to be the fall guy once he was identified as the guy who spoke with Vladimir Putin. I think part of the reason, if you want to go conspiracy theory on it, is why was Sally Yates ignored so so easily? Why was her um, accusation dismissed so summarily? It should have been, okay, hey, let's investigate it. It wasn't until, of course, a leak came out that all this happened. So my thought is this may have been known and maybe this was part of a, an agenda, but once it got exposed, somebody had to be the fall guy. And Flynn certainly uh, took the L for that. Um, if you want to go non-conspiracy theory, then... You know, obviously, you know, what is what is this guy a mole? What is what exactly was his reason for having inappropriate contact with Russia? And what was he discussing? What what sanctions was he discussing? Like what, what exactly was his business? So I think that's what is concerning, especially from a national security standpoint. You know, you know, it's, it's all fun and games to talk about who has the bigger inauguration crowd or having who has many electoral votes or that kind of thing. But when you're talking about national security, that's something that could affect all Americans. And so I think that this was a very concerning development and, and it makes you wonder what else could be amiss in this administration. Uh, I would say National Security Advisor is probably one of the most important positions that is not a per se cabinet position. And that I mean, the Senate doesn't get to vote to confirm this person. Uh, the president handpicks this person and former Navy SEAL Vice Admiral uh, Robert Harwood. Harwood's, uh, he was offered to replace Flynn and he said, nah, I'm good. Now, there are conflicting reports on why he said nah from uh, him saying that this this entire administration is a, a bleep sandwich without the bleep. Uh, and there are others that are saying that, you know, he, he felt like he wouldn't have the full control that he needed to perform the job. So uh, you can believe either report. You heard me refer at the beginning of the show to. This administration being chaotic, this is one of the things I mean. We, we've already 
we're already out of a national security advisor. The next guy he chose has turned it down. So he has said that there are three more people that he uh, hopes to choose from. So be looking for President Trump to, I guess, pick another advisor sometime this week. He has also said that he is going to issue a new executive order on the uh, travel ban. If you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, it had been uh, stopped by the courts. He appealed it and the, the Court of Appeals said, no, it's, it's, it's illegal. So right now, the travel ban has been stopped, but he's going to come up with a new executive order to try to reinstate that. Uh, he also has referred to the media as enemies. So, Frank, I don't know if you consider yourself and me uh, the media, but if so, we are now the administration's uh, enemy. Uh, so we <laughs> that'll be that's that's interesting to uh, hear a president say that about the media. Uh, speaking of cabinet picks, uh, we know that this president has had some controversial picks. We've had uh, Bessie DeVos who for the first time needed a vice president to help confirm her 5150. Uh, there have been other cabinet picks that have barely made it with 5149. Scott Pruitt is now the new administrator of uh, EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. He won on a vote of 5246. Two Democrats voted for him and one Republican voted against him. Uh, he is the former attorney general of Oklahoma. What's funny about this pick, Frank, is... Okay, now he's the head of EPA. As attorney attorney general of Oklahoma, he sued the EPA many times. So that was one of the reasons the Democrats had a big problem with this guy, among other things, which are philosophical between Democrats and Republicans as to where Republicans feel like the EPA has gone too far in regulating businesses and the Democrats, you know, they feel like this is a necessary agency and someone like Scott Pruitt, Pruitt will ruin it. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever gotten your opinion on how you felt about the EPA, because some people do feel like they harm businesses with uh, their different regulations. So we all know the EPA is something we need as we enjoy clean air to breathe and, and, and water to drink. Uh, but what are, you, what are your thoughts on this current cabinet pick with Scott Pruitt being confirmed as the new head of uh, EPA. Well, again, it just seems like, uh, how would you say, uh, oxymoron. He, You've got people who are trying to get rid of administrations now heading it up. It's like, hmm, we'll talk about a, you know, a, I don't know how to find the term, but it's, it's, it's comical is not the word, but it's it's strange Certainly. I mean, to me, as far as the, the function of the EPA, I think is vital. I think we're in a transition period where, you know, I know we're, we're the same age, but we grew up, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And you remember you used to see that picture where they say, hey, the rainforest is going to be gone in 2000 and, you know, protect the rainforest and that kind of thing. And they even had a movie called Fern Gully, you know, about protecting the last rainforest and things like that. Yeah. And the reason and, and the reason why I say that is I think that there is a certain amount of now denial about the the damage we've done to the environment certainly coming from uh, conservatives where they think oh it's a hoax climate change is a hoax but you know I don't know why the idea of protecting the environment is even political now I don't know all the EPA's policies regarding all businesses and I know that some of the things might be restrictive but when it comes to our environment we think we both have you know children and you think our children might have children you want to do whatever you can to protect the environment not protect profit because you know whatever the situation is 
if it affects the earth, it's probably not going to be as reversible as somebody having to, you know, take a few extra steps to, you know, uh, safely dispose of something or to have better, you know, filtering or whatever it is. I don't know all the terms and things like that, so I don't want to misspeak. But what I'm saying is I don't know why the in protecting the environment is a political thing. It really should not be. Um, but it apparently it is a partisan issue. And there's people that, you know, have certainly... Um, you know, Scott Pruitt certainly is no friend of the EPA. And now he's ahead of it. So it makes you wonder what will be of the EPA um, after he's, you know, started making changes to it. You know, I, I mentioned earlier how uh, Trump has said that the media is now uh, well. he said they're not his enemy. They're enemy of the American people. I just I don't know how he wants us to cover him because. I mean, you, like you say, you have a guy who is an enemy of the EPA who's now heading it. You have a woman who has been pretty much outspoken against public schools, now the education secretary. You have a guy that didn't even know the Department of Energy dealt with nu- nuclear, uh, dealt with dealt with nukes. I'm sorry. So I, I don't know how he wants us to cover. Like, how is that not news when you're appointing these people to head these agencies that either have no knowledge of the agencies or are completely against these agencies. If I'm an EPA worker, I'm <laughs> I'm wondering what's going to happen to my job. If is it safe? Because they definitely want to scale back the entire agency. They feel like they waste a lot of money, and as I said, they overregulate certain businesses. So again, you know, it's like anytime you disagree with the man. He calls you these different names, but I don't know how he wants us to cover him other than to just take everything he says as gospel. It's, it's just a fascinating thing to see, and I can't harp on it enough. It's only been four weeks. Uh, speaking of his last press conference, he uh, he was asked a question about anti-Semitism. He refused to denounce it, and some are saying that he doesn't want to offend some of the friends groups. This is something me and you talked about last year, Frank. When he took so long to denounce the uh, the Ku Klux Klan, like this guy is just amazing. And he was also confronted by April Ryan. She's an African-American female uh, of American Urban Radio Network. And she asked him, you know, she asked him about addressing the inner cities. And would he sit down with the CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus? He immediately got combative and said, are you going to set up the meeting? Are you going to do it? Do you know them? I, I just again, I'm just harping on. I don't. I have no idea how this guy wants us to cover him because the things that he says and does, how can you not critique it and, and call it what it is? Also, I want to jump in there. Also, make mention that the CBC actually clapped back and said, "Hey, we actually did try to set up a meeting with you. We sent your letter in early January. You had not responded." So his defensive posture was as nonsensical as anything because it's like well okay not only did you almost make a character of yourself by assuming that this black reporter knew who the cbc was or could get hook you up with the cbc right and you didn't even know that they'd already tried to contact you and set up a meeting with you so i just find it all uh strange that's the best <laughs> word i come up with very good word we're going to talk to Clyde Davis Jr. one more thing I wanted to point out uh, the guy that asked him about the uh, anti-Semitism it was funny to watch because he was very complimentary of the president and he was like 
he was very accepting of it. And then once he got to the meat of the question, he uh, Trump completely flipped and was like, sit down. That's an unfair question. So it's it's amazing to watch. You you use uh, strange. I'm going to go with amazing. It's amazing. You can choose if that's amazing in a good way or a bad way. Uh, but with that, let's uh, let's talk to Clyde Davis, Jr. Listen up. It's time for a politically entertaining exclusive interview. Today on Politically Entertaining, he's the regional director of Pacific Edge Wine and Spirits, Clyde Davis Jr. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, glad to be here with you guys. How's everything going? Oh, man, I can't complain. Job working me, but uh, nobody wants to hear my complaints. Of course not. Of course not. (laughs) But you just, just got to keep track of them, though. That's all. That, so, you it, know. Exactly, man. Uh, one of the first questions I want to ask is kind of obvious. Uh, as a regional director, what what exactly do you do with uh, Pacific Edge Wine and Spirits? Well, well, what Pacific Edge does is we import um, craft spirits uh, here to the U.S. Um, a lot of the... A lot of our focus is on scotch, um, tequila, but we also have, you know, very good gin and, and vodka. So we're, we're kind of the craft, uh, specialist when it comes to spirits imported here to the U.S. Okay. And as someone in your position, it sounds like a pretty high, high level position. Are you excited to have a so-called business savvy president in office? Uh, like, in your business specifically, can government hurt or harm your business at all by the uh, the laws and policies that they pass? Well, the the biggest benefit for uh, spirits companies is that both Democrats and Republicans drink. You know, so we don't. And um, in all all my business ventures, I don't particularly concern myself with um, who's in office because my business has to operate above board, regardless of who the president is or who the, who's in Congress, whatever rules they set forth, we're going to abide by them. But we're going to find a way to bring our customers the best spirits possible, as legal as possible, and just engage um, with people the best way um, they know how. Like I, I have my personal political beliefs that are very separate from my business, you know, you know, our business practices, my business practices are all about staying, you know, above board and, and, and legal and making sure that we bring the best spirits to people all over this nation and particularly in my region, um, which is the Mid-Atlantic and Midwest. Mm-hmm. So, Clyde, I know you mentioned you keep your business and politics separate, which is probably pretty smart. But obviously, with so much going on in this administration, there are certain things you just can't ignore. And as a father of sons, I know that certain uh, potentially cabinet picks, maybe a Jeff Sessions in particular, um, may cause you concern. Do you have a concern about uh, not just your safety, but maybe your your children's safety in an administration where it seems quite obvious that at the very least, the uh, some of the cabinet picks are uh, are sympathetic with white supremacy? Uh, I mean, I grew up in America, you know, so. It, it, it's a, as a as a black person in America, I don't think you've ever felt as if the government was necessarily on your side. You know what I'm saying? So the I, idea that like 
our parents, I'm the first generation of my family to not grow, not be forced into segregated schools. So the idea of somebody like Jeff Sessions doesn't scare me or scare because this is what those are also the same people that 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 were against my parents that helped forge the person who I am today. So I'm I'm more concerned that there are people who are who are unconcerned with what the truth is and what facts are than the fact that this person is a racist because racism in America has always been here and it's something that we've always dealt with, something that, that we're probably will always deal with and that my children would deal with. But if you're I pride myself on being the best at the things I'm gonna be the best at. You know what I mean? And so I don't as much as I get upset about some of those cabinet pits like sessions and um Devos, those things bother me from a philosophical matter, but at the end of the day, I have to make sure that I'm the best at what I do, that my kids are the best at what they do, and excellence is always going to thrive, um, especially in a in a in a capitalist society. That's the thing that cannot be stopped. Excellence cannot be ever stopped or or redirected. And so, it's the it, and this election was the last cry of the mediocre. Well, well said. So speaking of excellence, um, at this point, you know, obviously you said you guys import craft spirits and you probably do uh, tastings and parties. Have you been in touch with any of the new administration to uh, for a demonstration of some of your fine liquors? Oh, oh, no, I don't. I mean, and this goes back to when I had my my own company, um, which just we just closed about a year ago. We don't get involved in politics when it comes to to spirits. I, I've, I've always consistently declined to be part of political um, uh, uh, charities or like last year I got asked to do something with the Democratic National Committee and I thought about it because I knew the person and I was very familiar with the person and they're friends of mine but at the end of the day I don't my the the spirits in their bottle don't have favorites they don't have politics like this is not there. I, I wasn't I didn't own a run for Democrats. I don't own a run for blacks. I don't own a run for whites. I own a rum that was the, the best rum in the world. Uh, now I, su- I support the spirits that are the best spirits in the world. And and that doesn't have political lines. And if you align yourself politically, sometimes you'll eliminate some of your best customers because because they forget about the reason they like this brand. And they start thinking about, oh, it's, it's you. And I think that any business person that aligns themselves to a political party is doing their employees a disservice. They're doing their products a disservice. And at the end of the day, they're doing a lot of their customers a disservice as well. That is well said. We've seen where I think it was the CEO of Under Armour make a comment as Steph Curry spoke out about that. And also with Uber. So. It's kind of refreshing to hear that answer from you. We're talking to Clyde Davis, Jr., Regional Director of Pacific Edge Wine and Spirits. Uh, you, you mentioned how it doesn't matter pretty much who's in power out of Democrats and Republicans because, as you say, both parties drink, which is true. Is it pretty safe to say that in your industry it's, it's somewhat recession-proof because people will always want you know, their favorite spirit no matter what's going on in the economy? Well, we, 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 it tends to be recession proof as a whole, but what happens is what people drink changes. So you have to be kind of 
protect yourself on different when when the economy's bad, people don't go out and drink Grey Goose in the club, but they'll go home to the liquor store and buy a bottle of Voloff or Smirnoff or Sobieski or Reuven or any of the other value brands because they don't have to send a message about what they're drinking. Outside drinking on-premise or we call restaurants and bar drinking, there's a lot of time about message sending. So when you don't have money to send that message that, hey, I can afford Grey Goose or I can afford this high-end vodka or this high-end uh, rum, but you still want to drink, you can go home and drink something cheaper. Are you are you right. tell the bartender let me have a vodka soda? Right. Final uh final question I wanted to ask you. Uh, can you hook me up with your best bottle of tequila? <laughs> I'm joking. I, I, I can, man. I, no, it's all good. I can hook you up with where you buy it from for sure. Okay. Definitely. All right. Definitely. All right. I can definitely send you that information. There's there's no there there's no doubt. We actually um. Actually, I always tell people when I when I when I own um, the liquor company and they're like, oh, why don't you just do this? I was like, I've always been a person that goes to the store and, and buys my product. Even the products I sell now, I go to the store and buy them because I believe in them. And when people see you in the store buying the stuff that you own or the stuff that you rep, they realize they don't ask you for anything because like, yo, if he's buying his own product with the money that he's making, not the not the samples, not the um not the experimental stuff, but the stuff that you're actually you're paying the money that you got from your paycheck and going to the liquor store and buying the, your product. It means a lot to people. You know what I mean? And it, and it, and it changes people's uh, idea about how business works. I, I did have one more question for you, but we do also like the for the guests to promote. So where for those that are listening, where can one buy? Well, yeah, we have so, we we have so many products. So, like I, I tell people, um, you know, one of our staples is Springbank Scotch. So, when you go to a fine place that has the finest whiskeys and fine scotches, you'll find Springbank. You also find Old Raj Gin, which is uh, one of, one of the most iconic um, gins in the world. Before there was a premium gin, there was Old Raj Gin. It was the original premium gin. Um, so, there's all kinds of of I mean, there's ways you can also go to our website, PacificEdgeSales.com to see, you know, what other products we um, sell across the nation. Um, we're a California based company. I'm out here on the East Coast, um, of course, but, but our products are widely available in your finest, you know, bars and, and, re- and retailers. I always tell people that you can if some if you go to a whiskey bar and they don't have spring ring scots, you're not at a real whiskey bar. And that's just just the way it works. So you can you can find us all all through the country. Very well. I help make sure uh, the listeners look out for that. I wanted to uh, turn the conversation to politics once more before I get okay. you out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as our new president, it's been a very chaotic. I would say four months. Uh, whether you're a liberal or a conservative, that can be a good chaotic or a bad chaotic. Uh, but he has seemed to be willing to take on the press by calling them fake news. In your opinion. Has he been covered fairly or unfairly? Because I've heard people that are not Trump supporters that have said, you know, I think the media is a little too tough on him. And I've heard the opposite where there are Trump supporters that voted for him that have said, you know, he is treated fairly and he's, you know, going too far with the fake news thing. Where do you stand as far as how he's been covered in the uh, news media lately? Um, I think he's been covered 
fairly, but I think the problem is that he makes himself a very easy target. Yes. I think that the, the idea of him calling the news fake news puts him under more, puts him under more scrutiny from the media, you know, because that's, that's a very offensive term, fake news, because these mm-hmm. people have studied or spent decades in journalism to uncover the truth. And the reality is that in our world, we have seven billion realities, but there's only one truth. And the fact that he and his staff have kind of tried to create this alternative facts or, you know, what I mean, it's com- it's completely shameful and that's why the media is on top of them now i i do think that he any anybody who thinks it's that he's been treated unfair they have to ask themselves did he create that that atmosphere to be treated unfair and i think that's what we're dealing with in this situation he's created an atmosphere where he's been antagonistic he's made false statements um and and the media is going to galvanize against that, especially when he when he calls them to the carpet about things mm-hmm. like when he's right. When when you're right, you can be right. You don't have to fight about being right. You know, what I mean, but he's fighting when he's wrong. Like and, uh, like today was a perfect example at his speech at Boeing. You know, what I mean, there's a lot of things that he said today that even though, you know, given the fact that manufacturing jobs have been on the uptick for the last five last seven years there's a lot of things that he said were were based in some facts but he's on the tail end of it so he's claiming that as his own but there's some things that that were true and positive that that were said even though it was even though it's not all him is doing because the the those those things like the born contracts forward moving and all these other things have been long in the making because these aren't knee-jerk decisions and but the fact that he's made him act like it was his doing is another reason for the media to be on top of him because he's like the guy scoring a whole bunch of one-yard touchdowns you know what i mean like (laughs) what's the guy who used to play with uh reggie bush the running back from usc lindell white the the number one running number one rushing touchdown leader in usc history you know what I mean? It's Lindell White. And don't nobody remember him except except you. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but he's not going to tell you that he was the best running back in, in USC history. And that's what that's the thing that Trump will say. Right. And that, and that pisses off a lot of people, including Reggie Bush, Marcus Allen, OJ Simpson, all these great running backs from USC. You know what I mean? And that's and that's what that's the thing that um that that Trump is doing right now. And I'm sad that there are people in this country that will not realize that. That was, that was very well put. Uh, I think his biggest problem is that, like you said, when he's, when he's wrong, he still tries to battle it. And he also seems to have a problem with, if you disagree with him, then he comes with the name calling and trying to discredit you. Yeah. And and the Uh, thing is like, like he has a, he has a great, um, opportunity here as the first non-politician as president he can he has the pass to freely admit that he doesn't know stuff and people will 
be okay with that. Yeah. But um, Milan Kundera once said that humility is the only cure for ignorance. And the fact is that he's not humble. He can't cure his ignorance. And and that's the part that he's missing. You know what I'm saying? If he was a little bit more humble, he could get things right, even though he doesn't know them. And he could, and if he freely admitted, hey, I don't know a lot about foreign policy, but I'm a child myself around the people with foreign policy. And instead of saying, I'm smarter than the generals, or I'm smarter than national intelligence, or, I mean, that's that's insulting in so many ways to people who've dedicated their lives to this. You know what I mean? And so... And the thing is now that he's putting a lot of people in danger, especially with the the state of the State Department right now. He's putting a lot of people in actually physical harm's way because he's not humble enough to admit where he doesn't know something. It's 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 hard to believe it's only been four weeks. Um, hey, it's been the longest four <laughs> weeks of my life. <laughs> it's it's really it's really hard to imagine, man. We got four years of this. Uh, Regional Director of Pacific Edge Wine and Spirits, Clyde Davis Jr. Thank you for joining us today, man. Hey, thank you. You guys have a great time. We want to thank uh, Mr. Davis for coming on with us once again. Uh, Frank, I found I mentioned it during the interview with him. I found his answer as far as, uh, you know, whether he was a Democrat or Republican. It was kind of refreshing to hear him say, you know what, in my business, they they both drank it. I mean, some people would probably say that's the I guess the Michael Jordan way of looking at it. But with everybody choosing sides these days, uh, as I mentioned, with Under Armour and Uber and some more companies, it was kind of fr- refreshing to hear him say, you know what? It, it doesn't really matter, especially in my business, because, you know, people of both uh, spectrums, they partake in liquor. And I felt like his criticism or his critique rather of Trump was very fair. It was very fair. It sounded very reasoned. And as always, I'd like to you know, hear what you got from the uh, from the interview. Uh, first of all, I love the way he told you to go out and buy his liquor. He would try to get the hook up and he pretty much was like, hey, you know, I had to try. I had to shoot my you, shot. You, you, you did. <laughs> you did. It was bold. Um, so, I mean, I just I just like the fact that um, obviously uh, a man who's African-American, you know, like ourselves and he's understands he do he he's not like he's in denial about the system but as he mentioned he grew up in america this is america this is what it is and yes there are some unsavory cabinet picks but you know he's got to continue to grind and do what he has to do for his family and make be an example for his family um you know for his children so they can see what it looks like even in tough times to keep going like you know, the worst thing that you could do right now is to start complaining and shut down and not do your job well as a parent because Trump is the president or because you don't like some cabinet pick. It's like there's going to be a lot of things in this life that, that like we like he was saying, you don't like, but you have to rise above with excellence. So I think that was the main thing uh, that I, I liked in his answer was talking about the fact that you strive for excellence and, you know, just, you know, deal with everything else that comes after that. But do your part and uh, just let the chips fall where they may. With many of our interviews, you can look for that on our YouTube channel, Politically Entertaining, along with our past interviews like Claiborne Carson and uh, Terry Matthews. So be looking for that interview with Clyde Davis Jr. coming soon on our YouTube channel. One last word on uh, Trump versus the media. And I hope someone from his administration, uh, he himself is listening. Hey, Trump, I'm about to be very fair to you right now. In his whole uh, 
taking on the media, so to speak. Let's be fair. Obama somewhat tried the same strategy. Now, he didn't call out the entire media, but it was a particular uh, person within the media that they tried to vilify and, and rush Limbaugh. And I know people on the left would say, well, hey, that's justified. Have you ever listened to Rush Limbaugh? At the end of the day, I just don't think the most powerful man in the world should be you know, that concern with members of the media. You're going to have critics. You're going to have supporters. You're always going to have that. And so uh, Obama did try this with Rush Limbaugh when he was in office and Trump is kind of doing the same thing. And it's, it is covered. It's being covered a bit different, but that's probably because he's taking on everyone except Fox News, of course. Uh, so let's step away from politics before we go, Frank. Uh, I was out in Vegas last week. That's why we were off. Um, some of you may have seen the video on our Facebook page. Uh, but it was it was uh, it was huge. It was huge news that broke from Stephen A. of ESPN, who said that Floyd Mayweather and uh, Conor McGregor from the UFC are close to having this fight. And I just wanted to come in on this real quick. First off, the racial aspect. I don't know if there's any sport, Frank, where uh, race plays a major factor because. If you have a black fighter and a white fighter, usually racially, that's where the support uh, lines up at. If you watched uh, Harlem Nights, even though that's a comedy movie, it somewhat had that element in it. So Bomani Jones talks about this a lot. Those of you that listen to him, he said America does not need it. We, we're already dealing with what we're dealing with with uh, the past election. And to have this fight is not what America needs. He takes a, a comedic view of it, but I found some truth in it because um, you, we all know how Floyd is. Connor is pretty much the same when it comes to uh, antics and verbal assaults. And I just don't see how this fight can take place because he's under contract with UFC. But I guess anything's possible. And he's not a boxer. So I don't know how competitive this fight would be, but it certainly would be intriguing to the uh, to the masses. I'm a huge boxing fan. I don't want to see this fight, but of course, if it happens, I'll watch it. Uh, are you a boxing fan? And what are your thoughts on a possible Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor uh, fight? I'm a casual boxing fan. I mean, I used to watch, you know, Tyson growing up. My dad is a, is a pretty big into boxing and he used to watch, you know, all the pay-per-view fights, the Tuesday night fights, Friday night fights, whatever they were. So I, I followed some of those boxers during that time. But since then, I really haven't followed boxing too much. Um, but I am a casual fan. I have watched a number of Floyd Mayweather's fights. And to be honest with you, I hope the fight, fight doesn't happen because for, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, McGregor is not a boxer and he can't box. And two, Floyd is not an exciting boxer to me. I, he is a good boxer. He's the great, he's great, excuse me, the great defensive boxer. But he's not the kind of boxer that, you know, is exciting to watch. And I just think that somebody like McGregor versus a technician like Mayweather would just be painful to watch. If you thought the Pacquiao fight was miserable, I mean, McGregor is going to be times two. Uh, and, and like you said, the division, um, one of the things Bomani said was very funny was you'll be, you'll be surprised how many more Irish Americans there have become before the fight or how Irish has been slanted towards American, you know. So it just doesn't need to happen for a number of reasons. Uh, but 
uh, like you said, I will watch it if it happens. <laughs> uh, also, it, it's it's I, I don't want to see him fight because he he retired. He's what forty nine and oh, but it, it always seems so hard for boxers to quit. Roy Jones Jr. just had a fight Friday. He's forty eight years old. And those of you who grew up on Roy Jones, that's the last, that's the last thing you want to see. And Larry Holmes, he stayed in it too long. And even Ali, he uh, stayed in it a wee bit too long. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Can, can, can I stop you for one second? Didn't Roy Jones get knocked out, like, I would say very about maybe 13 or 14 years ago to this day? He got knocked out by Glenn Johnson. Like, the fact that he's still boxing is incredible to me. It, it, it Exactly. And... He's not even gener- his fights aren't even generating that much money, so I don't even know if it's a money thing. He he seems to be a great commentator for HBO boxing. But again, I think it's just all about the competitiveness of it and it's hard for boxers in particular to give it up. You would think it would be easier cuz it's a, a a painful sport, but it's hard for them to walk away, man. It's, it's real hard for them to walk away. We're going to get out of here now. We just want to thank all the listeners for listening to the show. We thank you I want to thank Clyde Davis Jr. for coming on. It was a great interview. Thank you, Clyde. Um, you know, obviously, Byron, great host. We're just grateful to be in the second season doing this show. We want to just encourage you to be active politically. Email your congressman. Uh, download the apps. Uh, vote Spotter Accountable. Find out what's being voted on. Make your uh, constituents accountable at the ballot box. And uh, just, just be careful out there. Be safe. We want to thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you guys soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates.